0: Good morning, Cedar Creek Church. How are we this morning? Awesome! What's well, a big day in our church. Uh, it is Graduate Recognition Sunday. Who's excited? Sweet. Uh, if I haven't had the pleasure to meet you, my name is Jordan Nates. I am the Center Point Director here at our Banks Mill campus. All right. And so, uh, with that, this is—I uh, was thinking—this week, this month marks the fourth year. That I've been in full time ministry. And so this is the third time that I've gotten to do a graduate recognition service type sermon thing, because it's always the youth pastor that usually does it. Um, and for whatever reason, and I thought this year would be different, but it wasn't. Every year that I've gotten to do one, for whatever reason, because I don't really choose it, I'm just kind of like, God, what do you have for me to give to these students? What do you have to give to the church? And it always surrounds, I was telling my home group this this week, it always surrounds the topic of death. Not probably what you were expecting this morning, but it just happens, right? And I can't really, I can't help it. So we're going we're gonna to talk about death this morning. Super uplifting, super encouraging. I, I hope it is for you. But as I was preparing uh, th- this week, I was reminded of, I, I, was, I was reading something one time, and it was talking about this in ancient Egypt there was this, there was this practice that they would do that before any celebration, before any party, before any big dinner, that they would drag into the middle of the room where everybody could see it. They would drag a dead body where everybody could see it. And the purpose of it, where like we usually before having a big meal or a big celebration or something like that, like we give grace, we pray, and then everybody digs in, right? But what they would do instead is they would say, hey we want you to realize that this could be you tonight. And not only could this be you, but one day this will be you. And so with the time that we have tonight, well, whatever we're celebrating, whatever we're partying about, live your life to the fullest because you're not promised tomorrow. And before, I know some of you are freaking out, you think Rick and Danny are kind of come back out here and drag a dead body and it's just gonna be sitting here the whole time. I promise you, we're not gonna do that. I, I, legally, I don't think we can do that. Um, I'll double check that, maybe next time I can, I don't know. Uh, but the reason why I say that is because I wanna do the same for you this morning, not in a literal way, but metaphorically, I want to bring the reality of death before us and ask the question with with the rest of the time that we have on this earth, with the 10, 20, 30, however many more years that we have, what are we going to make our lives about? What are we going to make the most important thing in our lives? Because there will come a day for each and every one of us where someone will come up on a stage, they'll stand behind a mic like I'm doing right now, and they will, either it's one person, a couple people, they will come and talk about your life at your funeral. Like I said, super encouraging stuff this morning. Only get it at your Creek Church, right? But that's gonna happen. And so think about that. What do you want them to say about you in that moment? And I don't know about you, I don't know if I'm just a weirdo and I think about this stuff a lot or what, but this is something I think about all of the time. Like when that time comes for me, what are people going to say about me and about the life and the legacy and the impact that, that I left? What will my wife say about me? What will my kids say about me? What will my friends, my family members, my coworkers, and so on and so on, what, what are they gonna say about me? What do we want people to remember us for? And I had this thought many years ago where I could I could live my life in one of two ways. I can live my life in one way where I'm just living in wonder for the rest of time, like, when that time comes, like, what are people going to say, right? Like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Like, what is it? Or I could live my life with the rest of the time that I have left, I can live it in a way where I'm writing my own eulogy with each and every day that I have left on this earth. And so this morning, I want us to look at how we can do the same, and I want us to look at a great example we have of this in Acts 20 with the life of Paul. And in Acts 20, he's essentially doing what I just said. He's writing his own eulogy. And at the beginning of Acts, we find Paul, except he's not named Paul. His name is Saul, and he's a religious zealot who is going around killing the early Christians, killing the early church because they didn't believe Jesus to be who he thought Jesus was. And so in Acts 9, we find Paul going on the road to this place called Damascus and Jesus meets him with this bright light and he encounters Jesus for the first time. Jesus reveals himself to him and through this encounter with Jesus, we find Saul, he goes from being Saul who's persecuting the early church to Paul who is loving Jesus with all that he is and building up the early church. And in Acts 20, he's in this city called Miletus And he calls these church leaders from the city of Ephesus to come to him who he had a relationship with because he wanted to talk to him. And in this passage, Paul knows that whatever kind of trial, whatever persecution, maybe even death, is awaiting him because he is about to go to Jerusalem very soon. And it is through this reality of death that he writes and says what is said in Acts 20. And he essentially writes a eulogy about his life and about his ministry And he delivers it to these people that are very important to him. And I truly think his message to them about his legacy, about his life, about his ministry can be summed up in one of the verses that we find in Acts 20. And it's Acts 20, verse 24. It's a a well-known passage, but this is what Paul says. He says, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. I love the translation in the message. What it says, it says that Paul says, what matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the master Jesus gave me of letting everyone know that I meet know all about this incredible, extravagant generosity of God. What we see in this passage, is that all that mattered to Paul is with every moment that he had left on this earth that he wanted to finish the work that Christ began in him. That no matter the cost, no matter who he was around, no matter who he was with, no matter what happened, what, brought, what life brought his way, he wanted to continue to know Jesus with all that he could and to make Jesus known to each and every person that he came in contact with. His goal, what we see in verse 24, his goal was to finish strong. He wanted to finish strong. And in our lives too, if we want to live in this way, we have to finish strong. With the time that we have left, we have to finish strong. And as I was preparing this week, I kept thinking in high school, I ran track and field. I wasn't very good at it, but, but I did distance. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but it drove my coach nuts is I would get done. Let's just say I ran the mile. And the whole time I'm giving it all I have and like I have a few more steps. Say this is the finish line right here. I'd have a few more steps and right as I saw the finish line, I was so close to it, I started to ease up and just kind of like just casually just start going like this. And it drove my coach nuts. He's like, Nate, why are you doing that? Like you're giving all effort for about 90% of the race and then the last 10 seconds, you're just kind of like coasting. You're just kind of hanging out. Like, you're kind of easing up. Like, I need you to give all that you can until your whole body is crossed over the finish line. And I think in our own lives, it's easy to think that the longer that we're here on earth, it's easy to ease up, right? It's easy to give less effort. But what I want us to see is that whether you've been a Christian for your entire life, whether you've been a Christian for a week, how can we finish strong for Jesus with the time that we have left, no matter what season of life that we're in. And I wanna go ahead and warn you this morning, some of you may know this, some of you might not know this, some of you might not even care, but I'm a huge South Carolina Gamecock fan. Like, I just am. Um, You can throw stones as much as you want. I don't really care. I'm not, like, I'm not saying that and, like, proclaiming it like I'm proud of it. It's just a part of me, um, because I know we're really bad, okay? But... Part of the, the three points that I'm giving you of how to finish strong, I'm using the vocabulary, I'm using the jargon that the almighty Dabo of the upstate uses of all in. And so before Gamecock fans, mom and dad, if you're watching at home right now, I'm so sorry. But here I'm gonna explain why. I had to swallow my pride and do this because at first I wanted to say, hey, you have to be committed to these three things and then that's how you finish strong in your life. But in all honesty, especially my generation, we are committed to things until the thing that we're committed to is not as nice as the, thing, the new thing that we see, if that makes sense. Like I'm like, hey, I'm all in on this thing, but then this new opportunity comes by and I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna go over here and do this thing, right? Like it's very, like it's not, it's minimal effort, it's minimal commitment, but what I want us to see is to finish strong for Jesus, it requires all of ourselves all of the time. So as much as it pains me I have to say it, I have to say all in, this morning, but we're gonna move past it. Congratulations, Clemson fans, you get this one, okay? Another one, right? And so um, the first thing, how can we finish strong? The first thing that we have to do is to be all in for Jesus, to be all in for Jesus. Paul was able to finish strong with the time that he had left because he was all in for Jesus. So let's look at what Paul says in Acts 20, verses 18 through 19. He says, when they came to him, Paul said to them, you know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. If you skip down in verse 22, he says, and now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. And we see in these two passages that that Paul was able to serve Jesus to the point where he had to go through trials and tribulations and afflictions of all types because he believed that knowing Jesus was the greatest treasure that any of us could ever have. That when it came down to it, that Jesus and knowing him with all that we are is the greatest treasure that any of us can have. And this is right, because this is what Jesus tells us in John 17, three, that this is what eternal life is, that you would know me, you would know Jesus, right? And so the most important thing to Paul was that he knew Jesus with as much as he could. That should be the most important thing in our lives. And that was the most important thing in Paul's life. And if we were honest this morning, if we sat and really looked at our lives, is knowing Jesus the most important thing to us? I'm gonna even take it deeper. If you sat down and thought about it, do you truly know Jesus? Or is it more so of just a bunch of facts, a bunch of stories that you know about him because you've grown up in church pretty much your whole life? Or is it that you truly know Jesus, you have a personal relationship with him and he is your personal savior and Lord? I wanna take it even deeper this morning. If the greatest thing, whether you just graduated, whatever stage of life you're in, if the greatest thing that you did in your life was have a relationship with Jesus and know him with all that you were and know know him with all that you are, would that be enough for you? I'm gonna take it even deeper, parents and grandparents in here. If the greatest thing that your children or your grandchildren did was have a relationship with Jesus and know him with all that you are and with all that they are, would that be enough for you? This is important to think about because it was, important for, it was enough for Paul and because of this he was willing to gain anything or give up anything for the sake of knowing Jesus more. Look at what he says in Philippians 3.8. He says that more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. Modern translation, poop. He's saying that anything other than knowing Jesus, I consider it poop. That's what he says so that I may gain Christ. Some heavy words right there. But at the beginning of Philippians 3, Paul is stating that before he gave his life to Jesus, that if you were to compare him to anybody religiously, he was above and beyond anybody else. That because of the religious knowledge that he had, because of the religious status that he had, he was greater than anybody else. No one Could touch him, but he realized that in light of knowing Jesus, those things were meaningless. Again, modern translation poop. That's what he says. He says it is poop because only Christ saves us from our sins and saves us into the relationship for eternity that we were created to have with God. And even more through this, it gives us the lens in which we are to make our daily. Big decisions, small decisions, whatever it is. Because generally, if you're like me, I'm tempted to ask one of two questions when I'm trying to make a big decision. It's either the question of, hey, is this thing I'm about to do, is it good or is it bad? Or even more than that, sometimes I'll ask a question like, hey, like, is this thing I'm about to do, is this right or is this wrong? And those two questions are so, so flawed because what's right for me might be wrong for you, and what's good for you might be bad for me, right? And so, what we have from Paul is he gives us a better question of how we can make decisions on a daily basis and how we can be all in for Jesus. That before making a decision, we can ask, hey, will this thing, will me giving into this person, whatever it is, will this bring me closer to Jesus or will this bring me farther from Jesus? Is this decision I'm about to make, is this going to allow me to know Christ more or is this going to allow me to know Christ less? If it's something that's going to allow you to know Christ less, then you don't need to pursue it. But if it's something that, that will allow you to grow in your knowledge of Jesus, grow in your relationship with him, then by all means, chase it. And it's so important for us, not just this morning when we're at church, but on a daily basis to do this self-assessment in our own lives and to get rid of those things that are keeping us from knowing Jesus and pursuing him in the way that we've been created to. And so if we're going to finish strong, then we must be all in for Jesus, but also we need to be all in for others. Finishing strong Yes, it means that we seek to know Jesus with all that we are, but it also means that we seek to make him known to the people around us. This is something in Acts 20 that we see, or all throughout the New Testament, we see that Paul was very convicted of. We see in verse 20 in chapter 20, he says, you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. If you skip down a little bit more in verse 25, he says, and now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. It's pretty heavy. I'm gonna say that one more time. He says, because he preached the gospel so much to everybody, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. We see in the life of Paul that there was this sense of urgency from Paul to share the gospel because he realized that people's souls were at stake and their eternal destinations were at stake. And the question that this caused me to ask do we live with this same urgency? In our daily lives, do we live with this same urgency? Do we feel this weight of responsibility that the gospel has come to us to go to somebody else? And if we don't take that call to give it to somebody else, those people may never hear it. And because of that, they will spend eternity in hell, eternally separated from our creator God. Do we feel that weight? Do we feel that sense of urgency, because I look in the world around us, and I look in my own life, and and constantly we 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 feel a sense of urgency for things in the light of eternity truly don't matter, especially like in the last year. And what I'm about to say, don't take it in a political way, I am in no way meaning it, but it's just funny for me to watch some of the things that we've been urgent about, right? You remember last year when we thought that toilet paper was just like not gonna be a thing again? Remember that? Like it got so bad that my wife and I had to have a team meeting and we were like, hey, like we're gonna have to start using paper towels and leaves from outside and it's gonna be really painful because people have lost their freaking minds, okay? And so that, like that's an example. Another example, remember a couple weeks ago when we thought we were never gonna have any gas for our cars and we were gonna have to be the Flintstones again? Do y'all remember that? Like literally people who didn't even have cars, they were like, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I just need to get gas, right? And that's the way that we lived. And so often, so often, we live with an urgency over things that have no eternal significance. Just imagine if we lived with the urgency that we had about toilet paper, that we had about gas, that we have about all the things that we're urgent about in our daily lives, in our weekly lives. If we had that same urgency, over the gospel, we had that same urgency over knowing Jesus with all that we are but also making him known to each and every person that we're around because we as Christians, we have the greatest responsibility to give the greatest news that fixes our greatest problem of sin, yet we let other things get in the way that we deem as most important. And I'm preaching this to myself. Because so often I look at my life and I realize that the gospel is not as important as it should be in my life. That the weight, the eternal weight that it has, it does not weigh enough versus the things that I continuously fix my eyes on and fix my focus on on a weekly basis. And Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses three through four. He says, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What Paul is showing us is that generally the things that we're most passionate about are the things that we are going to work the hardest to convince people of. And so if I haven't already stepped on enough toes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it again. If we were this week, if I gained access to your social media and we put it all on these screens right here. What would your social media show is the most important thing to you? Would it be all the flaws that you might see in our current political system? Or is it the death and resurrection of Jesus that is the only thing that can fix the flaw of our human heart and every human heart in our broken world today? If we were to look at your interactions on there or look at your interactions that you have face-to-face, what would be more important? Would it be just forcing your agenda, forcing your viewpoint on somebody, regardless of the pain or the hurt that you might bring them? Or is it representing well the selfless love that Christ has first showed us, even though, this is crazy to think about, even though you might disagree with each other? What is most important to us? Because what is most important to us is what we are going to deliver to others as most important. And Paul is showing us that a lot of times we do not deliver the gospel of first importance because a lot of the times it's not the, important, the most important thing to us. But what I want us to remember this morning is that the gospel is the greatest thing we can ever have because it fixes our greatest problem of sin and it leads us into the relationship with God that each and every one of us was created to have that as we go through our lives, we go to so many different people, we go to so many different things to find love, to find satisfaction, to find peace, to find joy, and to find hope. And what the gospel says is it's only found in one person, and his name is Jesus. And we need to see it as most important in the way so that we may be able to share it as the most important thing to others. And when we're all in for Jesus, when we're all in for others in this way, we begin to see our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, all of our communities, we see them as our own personal mission field to make the name of Jesus known through us. That the people that we know that don't know Jesus, we have the opportunity through our words, through our actions, through the decisions that we make on a daily basis to make Jesus known to them. To the people in our lives, like our family members, our friends, other people from church that already know Jesus and are already following him, through our words, through our actions, through the decisions, we have the opportunity to help them grow in what they already know about Jesus. And so as someone who's all in for both of these things, the gospel has come to you to go to somebody else. And this is an important task with a great and heavy eternal significance and I want us to know this morning that yes we should be all in for Jesus and we should be all in for others in this way but I don't want us to walk away thinking that we are to do this by ourselves which leads me to my last point we have to be all in for community if we're going to finish strong in this race called life we have to be all in for community we are not meant to be all in all by ourselves Jesus calls us to a life of obedience because we can't can't do it on our own though. Like he calls us to obey him and to live our lives for him, but we can't, so often we try to, but we cannot do it on our own. He sends us out by his power and he stays with us through his presence. But But the most awesome tool is that he encourages us and builds us up through his people. And I tell our students this all the time. But the Christian life is not a one man sport, it is a team sport, it is something that we do together. We say this a lot as a church, we are better together. We need a community to strengthen us. We need a community to hold us accountable. We need a community to build us up and encourage us. And that community that God has given us, it's found in the church. And if we were to look all throughout Paul's writings, we see that the church was something that he was heavily invested in and he loved deeply. In the last passage that I have for, for Acts 20, he even says that the, the body of believers, this, this thing that we get to do, this, this building that we get to come to, this people that we're a part of, he realized that it, it came at a price. And it was paid by Jesus. He describes the church. The church is which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus purchased it with his own blood. Jesus died for us to get to do what we're doing right now and what people all over the world are doing and even being persecuted for. Even more than that, in Ephesians 5, Paul uses this picture of Jesus and the church. He says that Jesus is like the husband and the church is his bride, and I hear this a lot. I hear a lot of people thinking like, hey, I can be a Christian, I, like I'm a Christian, I don't need church. And you're right, like, church, being a church member doesn't save you. Like, your church membership doesn't save you. But as believers, if we're gonna be all in for Jesus, if we're gonna be all in for others, we need other people around us. Like, it's almost like we're saying like, hey, I love Jesus, but his wife, no. I'm not a big fan. It would be like this. Usually it's the complete opposite, but just bear with me for this example. It would be like if you came up to me and said, hey, Jordan, dude, we love you, man. Like, you are awesome. But your wife, Lauren, eh, not really liking her too much. If you came up to me and said that, you're about to catch these hands, right? Like, I'm gonna fight to the brink of death, right? Because you're not gonna talk about my wife like that. And we can't talk about Jesus's wife like that either, and I get it. Like I, I, I hear this a lot too. Like you've had negative experiences at church, and I get that, and I affirm that. But but when we get a lot of people who are broken and sinful, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. But it is so worth it and it is so needed for us. Think about this on a deeper level. For Jesus to come and die for our sins. Yes, it was messy. Yes, it was hard, but it was so worth it and needed for us because it allowed us to to have our sins paid for and for us to be able to have the relationship with God that we were created to have and to have a relationship with other people in the way that each and every one of us were created to have. That it helps us to find our way back to God, which is our church's mission. We talk about that all the time and it is a process that does not end when you make that initial decision to follow Jesus. It is a daily process for the rest of our lives, and it is a process that happens in community. For us to think that we can find our way back to God, for us to think that we can be all in for these things and to finish strong without people, without being plugged into a community, we've got it all wrong. And for us, my biggest concern isn't whether you find that here or you find it somewhere else. As long as you're plugged into a local body of believers, have at it. Because we will be able to finish strong. Because in that community, when we're plugged in, there is always a next step that you need to take. There is always an opportunity for you to give more of yourself to be able to go all in in this way. It causes you to go for maybe in some area just sitting on the sidelines and it allows you that opportunity to go into the game. And so my question for us is what is that next step for you? What is that next step for you in your spiritual life that you need to make to be all in for Jesus, for others, and for community? Are you someone this morning who you're you're hearing this and you have never made that decision to turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to make that declaration in your life? Are you someone who's made that decision but you've never outwardly or publicly showed it through the act of baptism. Is that you this morning? Is that the next step you need to take? Are you someone who's been visiting here for a while? And and you're like, man, I need to plug in somewhere. I need to I need to become a member somewhere. Is that your next step this morning? Are you someone this morning who who feels the call to step up and to serve in the number of different Areas that we have as a church, whether it's Kids Creek or Center Point or worship media or guest services, whatever that is. Are you someone who's like, hey, I've been growing, but I've been doing it by myself. I need to join a home group. Is that you this morning? Because whatever your next step is, we have the community here to help you make it. And I also want us to see too that whatever the next step that you have is, there is no better day than today to make it. Because as I've already said, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. And so with every day that we have left, we need to spend it and live it all in at the fullest until we breathe our last breath. And my prayer for us is that we would finish strong in this way where we're all in for Jesus, we're all in for others, and we're all in for community through the rest of our time on this earth. No matter what has happened before today, that we would finish strong now. No matter how the race has gone so far, that we would finish strong right now by being all in. There was a story that I heard in college, I wanna end with it this morning, because it it truly changed the way that I looked at this topic and looked at the way that I lived my life. But I was told of a guy named William Carey. And William Carey was a a pastor and a missionary in the 18th century. He spent most of his time serving the people of, of India. And even through his efforts and through the impact and the legacy that he left, many call him the father of modern missions. And there's an excerpt in the the biography that was written about him that talks about his final moments. He's laying on his deathbed. He has these different friends and different ministry partners that are coming in and visiting him and talking with him. And one of those people that come and visit him is a guy named Alexander Duff. And Alexander Duff, he knew William Carey really well. They served together. He was a fellow missionary. He served together in India. And it says that, Carey and Duff spent time together reminiscing. Duff was telling all these stories about how great he thought that Mr. Carey was and all the great things that Mr. Carey did and how he will be remembered. And as their time neared to a close, Dr. Carey asked Alexander Duff to pray for him and then it was time for him to go. So he bowed his head, prayed, he said goodbye and he started to walk towards the door. And as he began to get to the door, he heard a faint voice calling his name and he turned around and it was Dr. Carey from his deathbed. And so he went back over to Dr. Carey and this is what it says were Dr. Carey's last words to Alexander Duff. He says that, Mr. Duff, you have been speaking about Dr. Carey, Dr. Carey. When I am gone, say nothing about Dr. Carey. Speak only about Dr. Carey's savior. It says that Duff went away rebuked and awed with a lesson in his heart that he never forgot. And so my call for us this morning is that we may walk away today with this same lesson in our hearts and that no matter what life brings our way, that we would never forget it. That when people look at us, or they talk about us, or they think about us, that our goal merely wouldn't be, man, they were an awesome person, or man, what an awesome example to emulate. My goal for myself and my hope for you is that when people look at us, that when people think about us, when people talk about us, either with the time that we have left or when we're long gone, that they would look at us, think about us, talk about us, and all they would see is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ put on full display and it would cause them not to worship us or to make our name something great, but it would allow God to get the worship, to get the glory, to get the honor and the praise that only he is due. That is my prayer for myself, that is my prayer for you with every moment that we have left on this earth. And it starts when we finish strong by being all in for Jesus all in for others and all in for his community, the church. Let's pray. God, this morning I pray that we would sit under the weight of this passage that we would sit under the weight of the reality of death that one day it's going to come our way but but for us that have put our faith and trust in you that death has been defeated it has been beaten and we have victory in Jesus Christ. And because of that, God, I pray that with each and every moment of our lives, God, as we prepare to cross the finish line with the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, however many years we have left, God, that we would not ease up and get comfortable, but God, that we would finish strong with all that we are every day, with every beat of our heart, with every breath of our lungs. God, that we would finish strong for you, that we would live lives where we are all in for knowing you with all that we are. God, that we're all in for making yourself known through the way that we live our lives to the people around us. And God, that we would remember that we cannot do that on our own that we need other people in our lives and that we would be all in for community for all of time. God, we love you. And we pray all of this in your name, amen.